Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. The award-winning crunch time. How realistic that is, I think, speculative at best. We've said, you know, we'll do what we can as players. I think you'd find you'd have players that would be more than willing to do that, and you'll have some that would be vehemently opposed. I know these are desperate times, but we've also got to be measured in our response to this. If it's possible to do it, legal to do it, and reasonably do it, we'll get going. I worry about that in a practical sense, is that how can you keep that coterie of people together in one area and ensure that you know they're monitored carefully, any sign of problems the person's kicked out, and yeah. that nobody comes in or out, because in that concentrated environment, I think the risk of cross-infection increases. We'd be open to anything. I think once it gets to that point where there is an opportunity to play, whatever the season may look like, whatever the games look like, wherever the situation or the scenarios take us, whichever place around Australia, we're in. Are quarantine hubs the path back to football and the key to season 2020? The prospect divides the participants and decision makers as the AFL launches Project Return. We're talking now about a start just under seven weeks away. As human beings, we like certainty. And when you have certainty, uh, it, it helps uh, planning, it helps focus, it helps, uh, uh, it helps everybody uh, lift a little bit, get motivated. And uh, you know, if we didn't come out with a date that was going to be workable, uh, that we could all focus on, then that would have, I think that would have been uh, to the detriment of, of the game. A law unto themselves, or exempt and start whenever they choose. How does the NRL's plan to resume on May 28 impacts the AFL? Will Peter Volandis be the roadmap back to sports or the ultimate cautionary tale? This is the Easter Saturday edition of Crunch Time for McDonald's. Never miss a single goal with McDelivery. Available via the Uber Eats app. It's an Easter weekend without the sense of holiday and without the sporting markers for this time of year. It's the third weekend without footy. Honestly, it feels like about the 30th. Three weeks seems a lifetime ago. Jared Waitley with you. We're all finding our way through life and through the Easter weekend. We're all doing it in our own way. Kane Corns is doing it in his own way. Kane, welcome. Hello, Jared, coming to you from Adelaide. Good to uh, reacquaint myself with the family after two and a half weeks. So there's been games of Monopoly, there's been backyard basketball. It's been actually quite refreshing and quite nice to spend some uh, a lot of time with them. But uh, I am clearly missing the sporting fix, particularly at this time. I think it's the first Easter I've been, a, I've been home at for, for a long time because usually as a player you're travelling and, and in the media you're travelling as well. So it's nice to be home eating some Easter eggs. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm longing for that sport. What have you got planned for tomorrow, Kane? Oh, something crazy, Jared. So I am raising some money um, for COVID research, of course, and running a marathon around my tennis court. So I'm doing the right thing and staying at home for 14 days. So I can't run. So I thought, what could I do with my time? Because I'm bored. I ran 20Ks on the tennis court the other day. I said, I wonder if I could just double that raise some money and um, run a marathon around my tennis court. So it's, it's happening tomorrow. It'll be kick-off about 12 o'clock and take me about four and a half hours and uh, we'll see how we go. I'll probably re- be regretting it halfway through, I reckon. 
Liam Pickering, what do we make yeah. of this idea? <laughs> oh, fair dinkum. You need another hobby. <laughs> Who wants to run a marathon around that bloody tennis court? Oh. They, they will do your head in by the end of it. Just go yeah. around and around like Big Ben. There's Big Ben, kids. There's Big Ben. You go past the same things all the time. Oh, I don't know what your maths is like, uh, Pickers, but it's it's about 70 metres a lap uh, I oh, counted the other day. So this, is off my, this is my Garmin watch. So uh, I'm happy to take a text. 04, 04 uh, double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. How many laps will it be? Because my maths is shocking. I didn't pass you 12 in that area. So <laughs> if anyone wants to work out how many laps it is around my tennis court, it's we'll a take a text. This it's morning. a lot. Yeah. It's far too many. Is anyone mm. else driven to such extreme measures? 0433981116, the marathon around the tennis court. Sam Edmund, I suspect you might be a little bit like us. It's cricket in the front yard and Cluedo has taken over now. Uh, happy Easter to you, boys. Good afternoon to you, Jared. Well, speak for yourself when you say no sense of holiday. We're in the middle of a real hamping expedition here. I'm calling it hamping. It's home camping. The tent is up in the backyard. The fire is roaring, although... I'm a bit on a bit of a come down uh, this afternoon, Jensen. Some marshmallow overload by the uh, the hot coals last <laughs> night, but it's been a, it's been a bit of fun. It's hardly good. It's not the right sort of weather to be camping. I wouldn't have thought. And uh, picks. That's why I came inside at 3 a.m. Uh, and curled <laughs> up uh, in the bed and left the family to fend for themselves. Oh, real team player. Yeah, <laughs> very good. So on a footy front, it's it's been a week of heightened debate. It started with um, Steve Hocking saying that there were basically there were ten or more scenarios that were being debated as to how the season might resume. By the end of the week, project return had been launched, so there's a committee to work on it. But there was one scenario that was debated above all others, and Sam, that was the creation of quarantine hubs to essentially house six teams at a time in three. Um, venues around the country and get the competition underway that way. Indeed, and Project Return, Gil McLaughlin told the clubs, Jared, that it's led up by Steve Hocking, Travis Old and Andrew Dillon. So his key lieutenants there going through the uh, nitty-gritty of this, as you say, one of ten, maybe a dozen scenarios. Look, can you believe the AFLPA still haven't been briefed on this scenario by the AFL? It's quite amazing, really, that if this is to be uh, considered as seriously as many people say it is, surely the key stakeholders will be consulted sooner rather than later. I don't know what the general flavour amongst our uh, other two guests here this morning is here, but... I tend to think if things stay as they are at the moment, and let's say that's not the case, there's no way we can proceed with a hub idea. But if we make some progress and the rate of infections coming well down onto the good side and we're set for a more traditional return, then maybe this is something that can fast track it in a two to three, maybe four week period at the absolute max. But I'd like to think that we're on top of it before we come down this path, if at all. So, Kana, I would say two things to what Sam's just said there. Is the first is that it's only a concept, which is why the players haven't been briefed yet. It's not necessarily even the favoured way. It's a concept that's been workshopped and everything should be being workshopped behind closed doors at the moment. The AFL is committed to April 27 as to releasing some form of roadmap for the way back. And the second is there's a big difference between... Um, quarantine hubs to subvert the stay at home and quarantine hubs out the other side once everybody's returning to work and football should be returning to work as quickly as possible as would the rest of the community yeah well clearly it's not the preferred model is it? i mean we'd be having a, a normal season and the normal home and away things if we could now if it is a it has to be a last resort to me and if it, if it is a last resort and if this is what the afl come up with with the executive team, who are very smart businessmen, clearly, and they are, they have spoken about it. I, I, I disagree with with Lee Matthews and and Patrick Dangerfield that these things are just leaked out to the media to get us discussing um, the topics in the game. I disagree with that. I believe it genuinely is being researched because you've got to be prepared for the worst case. If this is the worst case, then. I'm more in favour of it. I know you're um, against it, Jared. We'll get onto that shortly. But I'm more in favour of it. But only only if it's a last resort. Clearly, that, that would be it. And if that is it, and if that's the only way back, then we push ahead and we get some footy being played because I think this current crop of players has a responsibility to make sure that the game survives long into the future for the next ones coming through. If that means you know getting away from your family for four, five, six weeks, then that may be what needs to be done. Pickers, where are you in the debate that's taken place? Yeah, I'm a bit the same. We've got a, an agents 
catch up on Tuesday afternoon. So that'll give us a bit more clarity in and around, not just that, but the CBA and where it's at with a lot of the other things that affect the players and when they can start training and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not really across any more than you guys are. Uh, I don't mind the idea. I think, you know, we've got to make an effort to, if it's safe, to, to be able to get out back out there and play. And the players are keen to play. Everyone I've spoken to is just keen to get tra- back training and playing. But again, we've got to be, you know, working within the confines of, of what's allowed. And and if, you know, the government and everyone ticks it off and the players are somehow exempt and they can go and travel and that sort of stuff to play, and um, well, why, why wouldn't we have a look at it? Should footballers be exempt in the, the way the community is being asked to well, I was, bond together? Yeah, I was listening to you, I think it was you the other day when I was doing the, the Albert Park Lake, not as fast as you, Kane. No, I know, I was only walking it. Uh, and I reckon, I, is there fly-in, fly-outs in Perth have been exempt, is that right? Yeah, the workers? For the miners. For yep. the miners, yeah. So this is their work. So I, I can't see why you know, a select number can't do that, um, you know, if we're going to go into three separate hubs and it's going to be as safe an environment as they can possibly do, I can't see why it couldn't be. Tony Shepard's analogy really leapt off uh, the airwaves, didn't it, Jared? Uh, he had the cruise ship analogy going, and that's an ugly analogy as you're going to get in this forum. It is, is if you if you gather everybody together. It was interesting in the in the very early stages of the discussion. One of the scenarios put forward is you would gather the three hubs, and if one got an infection, that would shut mm. down, and the others would play. And you go, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Just explore what that looks like as as infection goes through the tight knit group that you have put together and yeah. i think i just think some of it has been far too casually said as to what the implications are and it's such a big decision if the afl administration does do this but do you think it, do you think it's the ge- downside would be extraordinary but do you think it's genuine though jared or is it just sort of flying a kite at the moment i think there's a i think it's been workshopped but I do think it's one of a lot of things, and I don't think it's necessarily the favoured way. What it does have is some really high-profile backers. So I would say, listening to Eddie Maguire, he, he's right at the hub of the idea, and he thinks it's the way to save football. And I know the power of work that those people are doing. So he's advocating it in a way that makes it feel like this is what we're going to do. But mm. I, I think he's, he's presenting his concept as forcefully publicly as he is privately. But it is still a huge step, I think, for the AFL to invoke that yeah, if uh, the moment ever comes. Oh well, it is. It's a. It's a. It is a huge step. There's no no, no doubt about that. But yeah, uh, if you've got to look laterally, and that's what we're doing at the moment. Well, I mean, I guess they've got to put everything on the table and just see where it all lands. And when that is, you know, how long how long away it is, we don't, we don't know. I mean, I think we're all sort of guessing there as to when when it'll be actually the time to be able to make those decisions. But the players haven't been consulted yet because they're just throwing it around. Well, you know, I would think the players will give, will give support. That would be my view. What level of support? It clearly won't have won't have one hundred percent. No, no, won't have unanimous. But I, I think if we're going off a straw poll type scenario, I think they'll get 80, 80 to ninety percent support. Do you think that, Kane? I don't know if it would be eighty to ninety. I I find it it's a difficult position for um, Patrick Dangerfield to come under and which hat he wears. Jared, I know he, he joins you regularly now. Is, is that in his hat as a, a spokesperson for the game and a Brownlow medalist and a superstar player or is it as AFL Players Association president and how difficult is it for him to have those two blurred? So is his opinion about quarantine hubs, is that his personal opinion or is that the opinion on behalf of the players? That's where I find it a difficult situation for him to be in um, and when so, he does So he talk, said that there would be some players who would be absolutely there and volunteering and desperate to do it and there would be mm. some who were vehemently opposed. And, and is is that he, his, as the president of the view? association, I would say that's a pretty yeah. good representation of his yeah, group. Yeah, it is. No, I agree but with that. Is that, his, is that his view though? Like, is to, to, to say that, is that him expressing him? And then does it does that reflect on the less, more inexperienced players or if danger field is uncertain about it or maybe I am so it's just a tough one when you've got 800 odd players some in their teens some in their early 20s and some Michelle Burgoyne 37 and with four kids at home it's a really difficult conversation to have because everyone has different priorities 
and now we're reading, Jared, that perhaps the families might be involved in this. And how can we be safeguarded? How can they, are they going to temperature check everyone involved here? Are they all staying in a hotel? Are they all moving around in close proximity to, to each other? And everything we're told not to do in the current climate, what sort of guarantee or what sort of percentage of guarantee can even be reached? Yeah, I think, that, and that's where you're getting to the stage where footy isn't exempted from the rest of society. I hear what you're saying, Pickers, that footballers are eager to get and play. Yeah, are, well, yeah. That would be true across a, a whole number of industries that are in shutdown at the moment as the workers would be desperate to get back. But the government is specifically asking us and, and telling us not to do that. Mm. I think footy has to be careful not to remove itself from the rest of the community. Yes, it's state, there's only four reasons to leave home. Oh, but by the way, if you're a footballer, go for your life. Mm. And Jared, in that long memo that Gill sent out to the clubs last week that we uh, spoke about on SEN throughout the days, he made a point of stressing multiple times that the game will be uh, led by the federal and state governments and the health authorities, and that if if they were given the green light to go down such a path, specifically with this hub scenario, then only then would they be willing to do it. The glorious comparison, of course, is the NRL, who have forged on and named their return date, and not only said that it'll be May 28, but Peter Volandi saying in, in reference to a, your law and to yourselves, uh, we could start tomorrow if we wanted to. The belligerence of Peter Volandi's is, uh, it's, it's astonishing, Kane. It is. I, I've read his quote this morning, and part of it, this, this one caught my attention now, I, trying to make predictions and give an expert on this on this virus I'm, I'm not going to do but he did say we were playing and allowed to play when the infection rate was 23 percent now it's down to 1.48 we should be able to get back now now that did click and think well hang on, they, they were allowed to play and so was the afl allowed to play some you know four weeks ago why why not now is there more data around it is is, is the um, perception changed around it because clearly australia is doing a pretty good job so i it, that was one thing i did think oh hang on maybe he's got a point there i know he's getting smashed and, and maybe rightly so but that one i thought well in his defense he makes a point there so he might sam provide the roadmap back somebody's going to have to go first and i think that the, leverage, the difference between being right and wrong here is as extreme as you can get. If he's right, he will provide the path back to sport. Oh, and we all hope he will be right, don't we? I mean, we all hope the NRL, is, as uh, massive as this statement is, and doesn't it just jump out at you, May 21, they're actually working to a date when there's no certainty in any of this for anyone all over the planet, is stark. But if they do go ahead and they do succeed, Jared, then you're right. It's the, it's the literal breaking of the ice just about, isn't it? And then hopefully we all feel more assured about following suit. But, geez, it's messy up there, isn't it? And then Nine's involved as well, of course, mm. their, their broadcast partner. And the suggestion is Nine now, this morning, Jared, could not only do without the check this year, but that it might even, in fact, be better off financially if it doesn't go ahead without fans. And that that might have been the source of their tremendous angst. That was an extraordinary uh, series of events last week when they came swinging for, for the game itself. He's a, he's a maverick, isn't he? Peter Volandis, I'll give him that. Yeah, <laughs> he likes to take he likes to take him on. Doesn't matter whether it's racing. Remember, he's the one that he's the one that took on Derby Day. Yeah, <laughs> he, he broke every convention that there was in racing, and he did it for the good of the sport that he that the the element of the sport that he runs. He's only entrusted to run racing New South Wales, and he's done a phenomenal job for them. And he adheres to no convention, no historical convention. He just recognises what's best for the job that he's in. So his job in NRL, is, like the comparison couldn't be more stark, is the AFL's been ultra-cautious and sensitive. The NRL is choosing a date and saying, you know, essentially, stop us if you want to, government, but we're going ahead. And in the AFL circles, the broadcasters and the sport are so tight-knit that they are... Caroline Wilson says, moving towards the extension of the television rights while the NRL has a, a bust-up like we've never seen with but a free-to-air broadcaster. Does it not point to the financial, or we're all financially desperate, but does it not point to the extreme financial desperation that the NRL finds mm. itself in? It probably does, as the AFL seems to have directed all of its energies to shoring up the financial side of things. And the NRL's energies, I suspect, are we have to play to shore up the yeah. financial side of things. There's actually no strategy to do it other than playing.
I think the, the NRL's biggest priority is not when they come back and play. It is about restoring the relationship with the host broadcaster, and that is Nine. From the statement that Nine released during the week, Ooh. that was as scathing as I've ever heard on any administration and the funds that uh, they have been used. So where was that regardless aimed? of... Well, where, where was that aimed at, do you think? Was that aimed at Todd Greenberg or Vlandis itself? Well, it read like... Uh, you didn't include us in your plans. Yeah. We won't be party to this. And the only man making the plans is Volandis, not Greenberg. Mm. But the historical stuff above, took in Greenberg. All the above pickers, they said that is a bloated top office, didn't they? A, a bloated front mm. office and that uh, the NRL had wasted the funds that it had provided over over the course of its broadcast agreement. So let me ask you this: Is you go first, pickers? If if the NRL does successfully restart on May twenty eight. What's the peer group pressure in that? Does it shift the conversation from how do you play to how do you not play yeah. if the NRL gets oh, back? I think that's exactly what will happen. Yeah, if, if the NRL come back and it's and they're back into it and they're doing exactly what uh, the AFL are waiting to do, I've got no doubt the peer group pressure will come. And mm. it's like, well, why aren't we? And it'll come from supporters too. Yeah, well, they're, they're playing. They're playing. Why have we got bloody rugby league on the weekend? We can watch that, but we can't watch... We can't watch AFL. They're doing the exact same thing. So and the, the opportunity for it as well, pick is for the sport. Like we are all craving to watch sport. I'm not a I'm not a rugby league guy, but I will watch every minute of it if rugby mm. league is the only sport that I can watch on my TV. So the, the toing and froing and the competition between AFL and NRL for all these years, they're going to have a captivated audience, possibly around the world. We've see, you saw the Americans getting into AFL, and particularly in Australia, where you get a four week head start that. You know, you may convert some people that otherwise would never watch it does, rugby it, league that will be watching. Yeah, no doubt. It, it does open yourself up for a, a, a massive smack in the face, though, if it, if it doesn't yeah. go well. It, yeah. it sets you... The, the, the trailblazers are great if it works. Yep. If it doesn't work, oh, do you set yourself up for some, some fallback. Mm. Yeah, the blowback will be the blowback is going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it, these conversations are sort of mirrored around the world is in the US at the moment, the, the NFL's best hope is the NBA, that they mm. find a way to go first and then the NFL can come in off the back of that in September rather than just trying to bully their way through. Mm. But So, so Volandi's example in Australia, if it's successful, will not only be for here, it'll be for around the world. Yeah, it will. It'll have huge ramifications if he's able to get the NRL successfully back. Well, I've got back table tennis, Jared. It's back. <laughs> I've seen that. It goes on. <laughs> there's not much else. Racing's pushing forward, obviously. Um, albeit there's not as many people involved um, as, as like a, a whole football franchise, if you like, that's got to be involved on the on the on game day. But and no crowds, obviously. So yeah, there are sports that are pushing ahead, and no real surprise that Peter Vlandis is involved in the racing as well. I'll tell you what, they love him. They love him. We had a couple of trainers on SEN track during the week. They love Peter Vlandis. Yep. They just think he's been brilliant for the sport. And they're Sydney-based trainers, admittedly. Um, but, yeah, he's a maverick. That's the best way to describe him. Dave's with us in Richmond. Welcome to Crunch Time, Dave. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I've just heard how you mentioned the networks might be better off just not playing it at all. It's not in their interest. Um as you know, I follow Richmond. Our operating costs a year are $30 million. If everyone's gone back to 30% across the board, that's $9 million. We've got $24 million in the bank. We could wear this quite comfortably and just shut down and return next year. Why, why such an urgency, if that's the only cost that are involved in my club, to get back there? There, there, there seems no incentive for Richmond to go back on the field. And, if, and where's this $600 million line of credit going as well that the AFL's taken out? Mm. Well, it'll be borrowed against by the clubs who need it along the way. And while Richmond might be one of the four clubs, as has been written, that would find a way through, you would lose 14 of them and have very mm. few to play against, Dave. So still, it's not, still not, not a singular be, issue for Not going to be a great uh, competition with four teams. No, and still mm. a fair bit of incentive pickers, I would imagine, for the players to want to get back. They've, they've taken a 50% cut for the rest of the year. That They, they don't want to make that 70 now mm. it's, do you know what I mean? Like they, they want to get back and they want to mitigate as much damage as they can to the game as possible because it means list sizes and players losing their jobs and, and mates who are coaches losing their All jobs. That, yeah, so yeah. it was a, 
re- reasonably selfish call from 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 that caller there uh, in, in terms of his club. I think the whole competition is in it together. It's not this club against that club. No, it's because not. We want a strong competition. Yeah, yeah just, I, I as have you the, said four clubs. I have the same opinion as that. You know, it's okay for the Richmond fans to ring up and say, "Well, we're okay." Well, yeah, hang on, you're part of a group of eighteen. You're one team. You don't can't play against nobody. So. I think that's a pretty short-sighted version of uh, of what it is, and it's not. Well, these these guys should be all right, and they'll be okay. It's it's. Hang on, hang on. Let's just look at the good of the of the competition because there's no competition if we can't all get out there. And they're not fully immune either. The Tigers, of course, they've laid not. off three quarters of their staff just like everyone else. So they'll want their own people back as as well as we've heard repeatedly from Neil Barr. All right, I've got the lap range for you in a moment, Kane, but let's just check in with Elliot Forbes. So before the break, a points bet update with Elliot. Get $5 odds for either Tiakau Shark or Very Elegant to win the Queen Elizabeth Stakes gamble responsibly. Elliot, welcome. Afternoon, guys. How are we going? Good. What's, uh, what's on your radar this Arvo? We'll, uh, we'll focus on the Queen Elizabeth shaping up to be one of the best races of the championships. Over the 2,000 metres, you can make a case for almost every runner in the field here. Danon Premium, the Japanese Raider coming over for its first start in Australia. Slightly easy this morning. $4 now out to $4.20 a day. Has drifted early in betting at points bets out to four sixty, but seen some good money today now back into $3.80. Jakar Shark, slightly easy, but very elegant, is the one that's rock solid. And we've taken a couple of big bets at points bet as well, including one of 5000 another one of 2500 at the $6 quote. Probably gets the gun run in behind the speed from barrier two and will be very strong late. Melody Bell is the other one that has seen some money, 13 now into $8 with us at points bet as well. Terrific, Elliot. So it's a great afternoon of Group 1 racing. It's, it's dismal weather at Caulfield. They're about to run the first and you can barely see the barrier. Have a look so, at it. <laughs> yes, that's, that's an incredible that's sight. Not too far from my, that's not too far from my house, Jared. I'm the same because it must be about to hit here. <laughs> it's going to because, smash uh, She's about to get nasty. Good on you, Elliot Forbes there. Four points bets and the, the Sydney races. So, Kate, just to clarify, are you going to run the same way the whole time around the tennis yes. court? That's exactly. been a, a key question that's bobbed up a lot. Yes, I am. So I'm going to run anti-clockwise um, okay. for the whole time. So the range is between 591 laps and 604 laps. David in Ballarat has, I would say he's closest to pin. He says it's 602.76 laps. Right. Okay. Well, he seems to have calculated it very accurately. Okay. Well, I'm not going to count down. I'm going to look, I'm going to go more off time. So I reckon if I can just tell myself, run for four hours, and you'll be very, very close. But it's been amazing the, the comments that I've had, and some people have said, "Well, can you live stream it? Because there's no sport on. This is how desperate I am. I'd actually watch you run 600 laps around a tennis court. This, this is the feedback we're getting. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to live stream it. But I'll tell you right it's not now, be Kane. Very captivating. Hey, tell you right now, Kane. I won't be live stream no, watching I, you. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you either, Pickers, but the causes for the Hospital Research Foundation fund the fight campaign. They're, they're trying to raise 300000 for um, COVID vaccine and research and, and all things towards that, so it's a good cause. A bit of fun, and will keep me occupied for a while whilst I'm this board. Oh, you're nuts. Terrific. Uh, 0433 98 11 16 to join in on the text. You can call 1300 736 736 between 591 and 604 laps, but it does feel like 602.76 is the favoured way <laughs> on what Kane Corns will embark on tomorrow. This is crunch time for 40 Winks. Team up with your perfect bed using bed match only at 40 Winks. It's Tyre Power's massive Easter sale with more great deals on big brand tyres. At Tyre Power, you'll get the power of our giant giveaway on Toyo tyres. Simply buy three and we'll give you one free on a great range of Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. That's right, buy three and get one free on selected Toyo tyres at Tyre Power. Conditions apply. See website or in-store for details. Tyre Power's massive Easter sale is now on. Visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191 for your local owner-operator. 
<laughs> oh, Ned would be rolling in his grave. The Australian Tax Office has developed a sense of humour. Buy your U-Butte Spitwater products before June 30 and you can claim the business accelerated depreciation. A 100% write-off. Conditions apply, don't they always? And while you're there, Spitwater is giving away a million dollars in free accessories. There must be something in the water. So don't stuff about the clock is ticking. Visit spitwater.com.au or call 1-800-SPITWATER. But hurry, offer ends this Friday. Spitwater, that's what it does. We can move the world for you, Cameron's. On the road, day and night, Cameron's is your complete transport solution. Any contract logistics or interstate transport, Cameron's has Australia covered. In fact, Cameron's has been keeping Australia moving for 45 years. So no matter where you need us to go, Cameron's can look after your logistic needs 24-7. Every journey, big or small, Cameron's can do. We can move the world for you, Cameron's can do. Cameron's.com.au Whatever car you choose to drive, it's your right to choose your own independent mechanic. Your local Repco Authorised Service Centre is a trusted professional who is fully qualified to service your car and stamp your logbook. They have the latest equipment and technical know-how. They use quality parts and lubricants and all work is backed by a nationwide warranty. For real peace of mind, trust the experience and knowledge of your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Drop in or book online at repcoservice.com. There's an energy company that gives you more than just gas and electricity. At Red Energy, we give you power. Power that's backed by renewable energy projects like the Mighty Snowy Hydro Scheme. Power to support our economy by choosing a retailer that's 100% Aussie owned and operated. And the power to get award-winning customer service every time you contact our Melbourne-based call centre. So for locally born and bred gas and electricity, call Red today on 131 806. The renewed Renault traffic is tough to beat. Now available in auto, with enhanced performance and driver comfort, it's built to tackle any challenge. And now, with great finance offers across the range and a three-year unlimited kilometre warranty, it's a great time to upgrade to the Renault traffic. When you work hard all day, you deserve an easy drive home. Visit your local Renault dealer today. Renault. It's my business. It's my van. What have you ever seen? Rain comes on steady, hot and strong. It just keeps on and on. Install the rain. Install the rain. Spitwater. That's what it does. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Macca's all-day menu. Available 24-7 and Liquorland. Click and collect in just 30 minutes. No, look, it hasn't been any formal discussions on it, really. It was, you know, Tom Brown posed a question to me yesterday that I think it was a possibility. I said, it's, I think it's worth discussing, you know, in the past. Gil and I have had the occasional discussion about, I wonder how, how things could work, um, you know, given we've got very similar uh, models to the NFL on a lot of things. You know, we've got central, we've got a lot of centralised revenue that's just equally. We've got salary caps, we've got drafts. Um, I guess that uh, one of the things that you know, begs the question is what what would be possible, and I think what we've also thought about is that previous examples of private ownership in the VFL AFL of a long, long time ago under very different circumstances uh, to where the game's at today. So I just think you know when you when you're setting up a club like ours and you're nine years in and you're thinking, okay, where, how do you continue to make sure that we're Underpinned and we're secure, and um, you know it's just worth having having discussions along those lines. But hasn't been anything formal at this point. Dave Matthews, the chief executive of the Giants, this week on the prospect of private ownership, which has always sent a little bit of a shudder through the AFL world. So on crunch time, you're with our Red Energy experts today, Kane Corns and Liam Pickering, switch to Red Energy for Australian electricity and gas. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund as well. Sam, it's almost been a, a dirty word, uh, private ownership in AFL circles from long ago, but it may yet be revisited. Well, it is dirty, Jared. I floated it with you guys last week and I got a lukewarm response at best. You weren't overly enthusiastic and you're right, we've got some 
Less than ideal memories there of the Sydney Swans and Jeffrey Edelston and the and the Brisbane Bears days as well. Look, West Coast and Fremantle, they're in semi-private hands, but both those clubs are owned by the WA Football Commission. That's as close as, as we've got, and maybe it's as close as we'll ever get again. Interesting to hear from Dave Matthews, though, because the Giants have that powerful coterie group. I think it's called M7, and it has about 25 American-based investors who have supported the Giants for quite some time. They're publicity shy, but two of them, uh, Pimco Bontitans, Dan Iverson and Mark Seidner, and they're a massive part of that club's off-field operations. So that gives you a flavour of where Dave Matthews is coming from. Keep in mind that club still obviously receives a huge distribution every year from the AFL, but the NRL do it, Jared. I'm not saying uh, they're the template by any stretch of the imagination, but they've got a bunch of clubs that are either wholly owned or, or percentage owned. Could you see it, Kane? Uh, I, I, once again, it's last resort, isn't it? Like I, I would rather see the way that we've had it because prior to this, I reckon the game, yes, there were some clubs struggling financially, but the AFL was basically bulletproof. Provided that they got 23 home and away games in and four rounds of finals, it was bulletproof. Now, it wasn't virus-proof, we know that, but the game was in pretty good shape. Now, if it gets so dire that some clubs are you know, becoming, threatening to become extinct and someone comes in as a white knight and says, well... I've got a you know 500 million. I'm happy to you know spend part of that on an AFL club. Then of course, if it meant keeping them alive. But for me, once again, like Hubs, it's it's last resort sort of stuff, isn't it? Desperation style. Pickles. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same opinion. I I don't think it'll happen. I don't think the AFL would want it to happen. To be perfectly honest, um, and it's not something that I've really considered until recently when it's been put on the table. And you know, I just don't think we've been seen. We've seen it try to work in the AFL before it didn't. So I'm not sure they'll want to go to, back down that track. And, and I agree, again, agree with Kane. You know, this, we didn't see this coming. I mean, this is this is one of the only things I could even contemplate that could could have knocked the stuffing out of this competition. Mm. This competition's a behemoth. And, you know, this the coronavirus has taken its legs out. Sam, the other financial yarn which grabbed your attention, Caroline Wilson wrote this morning that, that Jeff Kennett had led a push that the AFL's books be able to be inspected by the clubs as well as what was happening the other way around. Yeah, there was a whiff of this last week, Jared, that Jeff was uh, perhaps a little bit unhappy. He raised a series of misgivings in a formal sense. Caroline's reporting sent a, uh, a letter. He always sends a letter, Jeff, uh, no doubt about that, to the 18 clubs looking for support. It's unclear what sort of support he got, but my understanding, Jared, is his issue or central to his issue is the commission itself and the level of pay cuts that those uh commission members have taken or might not have taken and, and Jeff unsure as to what is actual fact and what's fiction they are on record the AFL is stating that those commissioners took a 20% pay cut going forward but the general tenant from Jeff was he was unhappy with the lack of transparency around um, the AFL's books he wanted them opened up but geez there'd be all sorts of seven sensitivities involved with a major sporting body as far as its competitors are concerned as well, Jared, opening up its books for all and sundry, I would have thought. Is it? Yeah, just, that's just on, a reasonable point there. Just on that, I, what, as a general rule, what do the commissioners get paid? I wouldn't have even had a, I didn't even know they were getting paid. What, what, what are they? What sort of? What sort of chaff do they get? It's an average salary pickers of somewhere around eight hundred to nine hundred thousand a year, uh, as per the financial reports of about a year ago. I think the year before on, last. That's the executive, and, isn't it? It's executive. Oh, it's yep. executive. That's a whole yeah. different thing. We're talking about the commission, though, yeah? Sorry, AFL executive. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. Oh, AFL okay. executive, is, I believe, is my uh, understanding for, for Jeff's main bone of contention there. The executive, which the AFL had released a statement on oh, a couple of weeks ago now, saying they would take 20% going forward. Hey, because the other interesting talking point is um, the draft and the underage competition, mm. so that the state leagues are... We put those to the side because they're a really interesting debate, but that's for a little bit down the track. But do you think there is actually a possibility of a reframing of the under-18s to under-19s, under-17s, to lifting the draft ages? Some of that stuff which had been theoretical but was impractical as if you missed one draft would suddenly become practical? Yeah, I think, I think it certainly is on the table now. Uh, given this season's half a write-off, we don't know whether they'll come back. I heard Mick Turner on the other day talking about it with with uh, Dwayne, talking about the fact that you know they can, they can get a season out even if it's ten or twelve games. Uh, sight unseen, there'll be a lot of players if they play ten games that just won't have shown enough. 
Doesn't mean they wouldn't have with a whole year of footy. Yep. Uh, and so if they're going to do lift the age, and it's been discussed for a long, long time, then this is the time to do it. While we've got a season where we're not going to see a lot of these kids play, the top age kids, the under 19, the under 19, say a 19 year old draft. So the kids have finished school. That's great. The top age kids. I still think if you're going to have a 19 draft, because I think if there were 18 year old kids, Matt Rowell ready to play. I mean, yep. it's unfair on him if he has to play another year. Well, where's he played? Is he playing the VFL, like the state leagues, for a year because he's not eligible to get drafted because he's he's finished school. Oh, you're, oh sorry, I get. I, I'm sorry, he's finished school, but he plays another top age year without school in the in the in the nab in the nab games. I get that. Yeah, sorry. so they'd shift yeah. that bracket. But I still reckon there must be. A, it's still needed to be. If, if they go down that track, I think there still needs to be a mechanism to be able to take at least one 18 year old. They had that. Uh, they had that in the early yeah. They did the seventeens. Yeah, they had what a club had access to the best seventeen-year-old. Yeah, I thought that's why there was the conjecture over Matthew Pavlich, who wasn't selected as a seventeen-year-old to either Port or the Crows, and then went the following year. So, I like that. Look, I think I'm with you. If if there is any year where you lift it to nineteen, it is this year. It serves two purposes: one, the development of the players. Who, um, for every Matt Rouse story and Connor Rosie story, there's a million others that don't develop and don't come on. So that, so there's that element. Get them as best prepared they can to step in and play AFL footy. And this year, I think it is 12 months later. And then the second aspect is keeping our current players employed. So if we're already going to cut list sizes by seven, eight spots, there's a number of job losses there. Do you think, that, do you think that's a given, though? Well, well, that's what I'm hearing. I keep hearing... Everyone keeps... Saying it, so uh, I don't know if, if the salary cap comes down. I guess we haven't heard any of this yet. That, 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 I guess that my point is, as an agent, you, we will. Have you heard that the salary cap's coming down though? Or oh, yeah, that's that's the indication that I'm getting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so it's then down. you either have the same list sizes and players get paid less, or yep. you have small list sizes and players get paid yes. similar, probably a little bit less. So then to have further draftees come in means there's more delistings and more players lose their job. So if yeah. you're going to have a year, you, you keep as many players employed as you possibly can. Philosophically, Pickers, is there, would it be beneficial to, to allow kids to finish their year 12 without that being the year where all the judgments are made? Yeah, I think it would. In, in a perfect world, absolutely. We don't want, you know, it's such a big year for these kids. Like they go through... Yeah, they're on the radar since they're 16 because they go and play in the 16s and they have a bottom age year in the under-18s. A few of them will get picked to play in the state footy when they're, when they're bottom age, you know, the representative footy. And then top age, all the pressure comes on. But with the pressure that comes on about being drafted, you also got the pressure that's coming on about doing your studies, doing your year 12 and, and trying to – they're so busy in that year anyway because you think about it, they come back, they're going into year 12, they've got if – the, if the top, the top end kids are all in the AFL Academy – so they've all got a whole heap of different things they have to do with them. They're visiting clubs. They're having a week here, a week there. Then they've got the school holidays. They've got a championship. And then they've got this. Then, they, then they've got their finals footy. They've got their school footy. Then they've got their, their uh, NAB finals. And then they've got, you know, obviously before the draft and still trying to do their year, year uh, 12 exams. So yep. it is a very, very busy year. I, I think in, yeah, in a perfect world, yeah, you get them out of the year 12 and then you get them into the system. But I just think there'd have to be room for kids that are better to be able to, as in when I say better, are ready. You don't want to see Tim Watson wait until he's 19 to play. You know, Wispy starts playing when he's 14. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, those days are obviously over, but there are guys that develop earlier. And as long as there's a mechanism for the guys, and look, some of these kids uh, finish year 12 when, they're, you know, when they've got a year to go in the under-18s. Josh Dunkley did. The early starters, Josh Dunkley, he, he's doing, he, he came out of under-18 footy he did his top age, he did his year 12, and he was bottom age tech cup. So he had a year of keeping himself busy, doing all the things he was doing, but training properly and having a season basically playing in the VFL and the, and the, and the, and the NAB League, which was a TOC Cup back then, and doing a proper syst- like weight systems. And he was down at Richmond training pretty much all year. Uh, you know, so he was getting proper weight programming and all that sort of stuff. So when he got drafted, there's no real surprise that – he plays in a premiership in his first year, physically, because he was he was he was more developed than the other kids because he didn't have that year of instead of going to the yeah you know, going to school he was in the gym and he was training. So he's he's a case study. What about if 
if there was to be a national championships held, say, late November, early December. So you'd get one chance at gathering them all together yeah. and it would it, it might nearly be the only footy that recruiters get to see them play in a meaningful way. Would that be would that be useful or would that be unfair? It'll be both. It would yep. be useful, yep, for the kids that everyone knows and there'll be kids, I could name you 20 kids right now that are going to get drafted. No question. But then it would be unfair on the ones that, that, that might have been developing players. You know, there are a lot of guys that... Physically, as a 17-year-old, are a mile away. But then they have a, a summer, they get bigger, they get stronger. All of a sudden, they get some confidence because they're top age kids and, and they're the, the, the king of the kids now. And so they come into their own. And, you know, and there's been that many examples of, of guys that may not have made the, the championships. Like Clayton Oliver didn't get picked for Vic Country. Didn't even get selected. He got picked number five in the draft and played every game, won a best and fairest in his second year. He's won two, I think, already. So there are players that would be get missed in that situation, but oh, they've got to, they're going to have a draft. They've got to give them a chance to play at that level. They've got to get them yeah. a chance to play against the best. And then what that looks like mm. with exams at that time of year, I, oh, be I horrible. think you have, sort of have to be super careful yeah. on that front. Mm. That's where servicing footy is fine, but if it, if it cuts their chances of... Well, it looks Finish. like it's going to be a stretched-out VCE anyway. Yeah, well, by the looks of it, it is, but... Yeah, you think about it. Footy's great. It's fantastic. Everyone you know, that's in that system want to play league footy. But, you know, you, you do 12 years of school. <laughs> you, what, yep. your last year, you can't study on your exams when it's your final, your grand final in school because you're doing a carnival in the state. Oh, come yeah. on. Yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Liam Pickering, Kane Corns, Jared Watley, Sam Edmund with you on Crunch Time for McDonald's. Never miss a single goal with McDelivery available via the Uber Eats app. The rest of Footy's Issues coming up next. The award-winning Crunch Time. From degrease to multi-use, Bendix have got it in the can with their new range of super convenient spray cans. Bendix Degrease is a powerful all-purpose degreaser that quickly softens and removes grease and grime in one application. Good for engines, outboard motors, driveways and general workshop surfaces. Bendix Multi-Use is a fast-acting water dispersant that penetrates and lubricates your machinery parts and engines and protects against rust. The all-new range of Bendix spray cans, available at your nearest automotive stockist now. Bendix, put your foot down with confidence. Whether you're tiling your main, you're listening to AFL Nation for the Macca's All Day Menu. Available 24 7 and Wickerland. Click and collect in just 30 minutes. Yeah, and I'd talk to Stephen at least once a week. And look, he's got Joe out doing some more work, so I think financially he'll be okay. <laughs> but uh, really, it, three generations of Premiership players. Um, Hall of Famers, but he's had a significant role in the rebuild of that lease, along with Paul Brody. So I'm intimate on it. Kane Liddell, big impact in the membership and commercial and has sold that club through the roof. So my view is this. There's clearly some angst and some issues on both sides. The president, a strong president, should be able to set, set the CEO down, list manager, Hall of Famer of the club, and said, you two need to sort it out and we're going to keep both of you. That's my view that should have happened. And unfortunately, though, they've lost the favourite son out of the door. So, I mean, everyone will be judged in time, but it would be great that they could be both working together and trying to achieve success. Ross Lyon on Footy Classified with his thoughts on the Kane Little Stephen Silvani fallout. Silvani no longer at Carlton during the off season. This is crunch time for McDonald's. Never miss a single goal with McDelivery available via the Uber Eats app. Kane Corns, I think that pricked your ears. Well, it did, Jared. I, I disagree somewhat because uh, has Stephen Silvani done a good enough job to, to keep his job? I guess the, the football industry is brutal. Coaches at Carlton have lost their job. He's been responsible in there for a number of years now. And I question whether what sort of job he has done. I mean, what sort of shape is the list in? I don't know. Is it going to turn? Is uh, They look like they're a, a small undersized midfield to me other than Patrick Cripps who, who's going to be in there helping him out I mean Paddy Dow I'm uncertain about his decision making and his size you know Sam Walsh is a no-brainer because he's the number one pick you don't miss on that but the rest I mean the forward line has some talent but once again haven't been able to put it together I just don't know whether what sort of job Soss has done and whether his job was guaranteed despite the fact that he is an AFL legend and a legend of the club I mean that doesn't guarantee you a job for life 
Sam, he would have mm. he would have followed the story sort of day by day and week by week. It was as it was unfolding. What do you make of the interpretation? Really interesting from Ross Lyon, Jared. But Soss and Lejudice were pretty close. They might still mm. be, but they were certainly pretty close. Now Lejudice was in a tricky spot. I mean, he couldn't really sack another CEO after Stephen Trigg, so he had to somewhat distance himself from it. And Soss is his own man. I mean, he sails the ship the way he wants to, and and it sounds small, but they say that, you know, he's not among many things, he's not big on turning up unless he absolutely has to and all that sort of stuff. And Kane's always been about the collective approach. And he has done a bloody good job down there, Kane, to the point where Carlton are winning the financial fight. And they're in a pretty good place if it not been for this coronavirus. In fact, if it had happened three or four years ago, then they'd be in all sorts of trouble. He does deny it, Kane, but he was dabbling in footy manners too. That Brandon Ellis saga was in many ways the final straw. Now, Kane was in regular contact with Brandon throughout the year, wooing him by phone for much of the season. He had him at his house. He told him they'd take him. And then when Soss came across this news, and he was never going to take him at that price. So little has guts, though, to take on Soss, doesn't he? I mean, Soss might not be that popular with many ex-teammates, but he's worshipped by the Blues faithful. And... Ultimately, it's sad, isn't it? I mean, a favourite son leaves and footy clubs, as we know, and pickers would know, can be worse than the halls of parliament, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. It's just when you're judging lists and Soss, well, he hasn't been there that long. Like, he wasn't there 15 years. I mean... No, when you, when, what, what's it, has it been? Eight, eight, nine years? Oh, it hasn't been that long. No, it's nowhere near that long. Five years, would it? Would it be five? I'll check. It wouldn't be any more than that. I remember he was at the Giants for the first... Four or five years. Um, anyway, so my view is that it's it's very hard to point. The, it's very easy, I should say, to, to point the finger at what have they done? What have they recruited? Three years ago, I'm telling you now, Blair Hartley was under more pressure than any any person in the AFL. He was heading up Richmond's re- list build. Well, he got demoted, didn't he? In a way, no, no, he didn't. Get, he didn't get demoted, uh, but he was in charge of all that. So you know, and he was wearing the can. And two years earlier, it was Derek Hines' turn. Like, you know what I mean? It, 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 it turns. It, we're very quick to judge lists right on the spot. And the Tigers are now, he's seen as a genius now, Blair. He's always been bloody good. That's the reality. So is Soss good at what he does? Has he got a good eye? I think he has. I think About he six has. years ago, it was Pitts. Yeah, December yeah. 2014. So the end of 2014. So you got, I wouldn't even count his first one. Like, don't even count the first year. So you're talking probably four or five drafts mm. and to, to really not, look at it. It's not the traditional list management. Like, they, they've had the best access to young talent because of the fact that they yeah, finished finish in the bottom, the bottom four yeah. for, for five years. So it's difficult to compare Silvani's role to that of a role of a Geelong or a Sydney who yeah, played finals or, or an Adelaide who never bottom out. So look, once again, in six years, has he given us enough optimism about where the list is headed to guarantee your job? That, I, I that, think that, there's optimism there. Yeah, I, I, I personally think there is. I think there is. is. I think there is, but I'm not convinced. That's what. That's all I'm saying. I'm not convinced on the job that he's done. Not too early. Before too, we find yeah. out. Hey, I think we've narrowed this down between David in Ballarat and Mike in Perth, Kane. We're between 602.76 <laughs> and 602.857 Oh, that's laps. better. I feel, I feel better now, Jared. Oh, easy, easy. That won't take you long. <laughs> <laughs> Run well, Kane. Run well. Good on you. I might check in with you on Monday and tell you how I went, Jared. Yeah, well, let's do that. Let's do that. Pickers, Sam, have uh, have a lovely Easter weekend, as good as it can be at these, <laughs> this time in our lives. Yeah, good on good you, on Jared. You, I'll be watching the Stall Cup tomorrow. On the <laughs> Happy Easter to all of you. We'll be back on Crunch Time next week for McDonald's. Never miss a single goal with McDelivery. Available via the Uber Eats app. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.